Welcome. Glad to be here. Today we are continuing our sermon series on prayer. And uh, we have been, over these weeks, building an ethic on a better picture of biblical prayer. That prayer is not just like the shame and the guilt-ridden activity that we all know none of us do enough of, but we also don't want to just pray because we know we should or because we picture God yelling at us every day when we're not spending most of our days or our entire days in prayer or on our knees. And so we're building a better picture, a better ethic of what prayer is and how Scripture talks about it. And so we have this working definition, this live definition that we are building on, adding to, reimagining it week by week, and we're going back to this. And where we are at right now, we're not going to add anything new to it this week, but this is our definition of prayer. This is our ethic-building definition of prayer. And it's that prayer is an honest act of listening to God. It's an honest act of listening to God that moves you towards God's presence, permission, and it is ultimately an experience of eternal life. One more time. A prayer is an honest act of listening to God that moves you towards God's presence, permission, and ultimately, and it is ultimately an expression of eternal life. And so over these weeks, that's what we have been investing into, is understanding what prayer really looks like, what a better ethic of prayer looks like, that it's God-initiated, that it's listening to God, that it's this active, not passive activity, that it's also not just when you sit in that one chair in your home and be quiet or pray. Prayer is, can be everything. It can be a part of everything that you do, every decision that you make, every effort to be connected to the one true living God. Prayer can be in the middle of all of that and inform everything about who you are and what you do. Prayer is like big, it's big, it's global, it's huge, but it's also really uh, uh, familiar. Start my clock, it's two forever. Uh, Today we are going to uh, take a look. We're gonna reinvest in our understanding of prayer by looking at it being an honest act of looking at how prayer moves us, how the ministry of prayer moves us. We are not the same. If you are truly living this life of prayer, you cannot say the same because you are encountering the one true God. And prayer is about movement. And prayer is about stepping into permission, both giving God permission to speak to you, to move you, to change you, and also to feel permission to pray to him because that's what our Heavenly Father wants us to do. And so we have one major idea for us today, and it's that this, that God teaches us to give him the words back to him of exactly where we are at. Prayer ministers to your exact location. If that's the one sentence that you remember from today, remember this. Take a picture of this. Look at it during the week. It's that prayer ministers to your exact location. And what I mean by this is that today we're going to look at the book, uh, the whole book of Psalms, the whole massive book of poems and prayers and liturgy from the temple period, from David's reign. And we're going to look at how prayer in the Psalms has about three, has three locations, three general locations, and almost all of the Psalms are prayed or sung 
or are part of some ceremony around three locations, the three places that you can be at in your life, both emotionally and also in situationally. You can be in the first location. We're going to go all th through these now, but just to list them, today's sermon is a little different. The first one is location, is that we are taught. God gives us prayers, gives us words to give back to him from a place of being in location. Location meaning that we can clearly see how sovereign and powerful God is. He also gives us words when we are in a location of dislocation, when we, everything is crumbling. When nothing in our lives are good, he gives us words to give back to him when everything is falling apart and evil is winning. And then he also gives us words of new location, of when we have been rescued by him, when he has shown us that he is mighty and able to fix everything. And so we're going to look at these three prayers, and we're going to look at how God, our like heavenly Father, moved through the authors of Psalm to give us words to give back to him that are honest. And so let me pray for us really quick, and then we'll jump right on in. Lord, um, first, I just want to welcome you here. Holy Spirit, I just want to give you the floor and permission to speak to us, to speak to me and through me, to guide all of our hearts, Lord. You give us the words to give back to you some great words, some difficult words, some victorious words. And Lord, you tell us that uh, we are your children and that we can come to you in honesty, that you're big enough for that, that you are able to guide us no matter what location we're in. And so Holy Spirit, I, I ask for you to continue that work in us right now in this room, in our hearts. Uh, because all of us have come here and sat in these chairs and we're in all different places. But we all are carrying so much and so many different things. And so I pray that you would minister to all of us exactly where we're at. Lord, we give you permission to speak to us in this place today. So I thank you and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, we're going to start in a place of location. God gives us prayers of location. And here is the general outlook of what a location prayer is. Uh, the outlook in this prayer is that everything is working properly, but not just because you're in a good season or because you feel really good, but because you see that the Lord is sovereign and he has made everything and put it in exactly its right place. And like you see God's attributes all over the place. You see his beauty and creation in your life, in your circumstances. And it's not just, again, it's not just because you're doing a really good time at your job or because you just graduated or because you're in a really good season in your marriage. It's not just when life is really good, but location prayers are when you see how big and powerful the Lord is because everything is just working properly the way that he designed it and meant it to be. You know that you're exactly in the right place because God, throughout your whole life, has picked you up, has carried you to this place, and you can see, wow, he is so good. He is so mighty. His glory is so grand. A location prayer is like, God, you are just so good at your job. You're so good at being the Lord. Uh, I was thinking this week of a time when I prayed many prayers of location 
And the first thought that came into my head was the night that I, got, I was hired officially as City Life's like, long, permanent pastor. Uh, we had a pastor before here. Most of you actually don't know him, which to me is still crazy. Uh, but he, he was awesome. Um, I, I was sitting in my son's room at the time. I was sitting on Ann's nursing uh, rocking chair. And I got the call from our district superintendent, and he told me, and like for, uh, I had gone through a process of getting the permanent position, and it was at the end of three months, and I just sat there and I was like, okay, if I get this job, man, I'm gonna be so happy. I'm gonna be jumping up and down. And when he called me and he told me, I didn't like have the high that I thought I would because the thing that I was feeling more than anything else was just like stillness. I sat in Anne's rocking chair and I was just like, things are just the way God intended them to be. And I, yeah, I was like really happy. But more than just being emotionally happy, I just sat there and I was like, I'm just where God has told me to be. He has set all of this up. I went through years of school for this, and then I went through years of waiting. And I, even though the, I got the job way sooner in my life than I ever expected, I just like sat there and I was like, everything is where it should be right now. And I was just in that season praying, just location prayers, like, God, you are so good. You have worked everything out. The next morning after that call, I realized how permanent this was, and I actually almost threw up. But in that moment, I was just happy. I was just in this place of stillness and peace. Everything was just exactly where it was supposed to be because of who God is. And it's just these seasons in our lives are great. And when you are in one of those seasons, pray to him, a location prayer, because he is the one who gave it to you, not your hard work, not your circumstances, not an opportunity. No, like he's the one who orchestrated it all for your good. Psalms, like Psalm 100, verse 3, echo location prayers. Psalm 100, verse 3 says this, know that, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Today, today I'm going to be fast reading Pedro, so I'm going to ignore every comma and every colon and every period. I'm just going to read right through them because we're going to read a lot of the Psalms today. Actually, not that much, but a lot. I mean, we're just going to go really fast today. But location prayers are these prayers that like just praise him for who he is, that he set all of this in motion, and it works because he holds it all together. Psalm 29 is this beautiful location prayer. It says this. We're going to read the whole thing. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders in the Lord, the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a, like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord still sits enthroned as the king forever. 
May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Location prayers are just everything is where it should be because of who he is, because he sits on the throne, because he is good and perfect and merciful. And there are many of these location prayers in the Psalms that just sing out his praises, which is what we should be doing in every season of our lives, but especially when our most honest prayer is location. Honestly, location is the prayer we neglect the most because when times are good, it's on us. I make, I make things happen. I did this for myself. Or, yeah, like, okay, time is good. Like, I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to go enjoy whatever it is. Like, time is good. But location prayers are so important because they grow this intimacy with the Lord. God, you made this happen for me. One of the things that I love about reading location prayers is that we get to know his attributes. We get to know what he's like and what he does. Uh, years ago, there was this group of Christians. They came together. It was called the Westminster Catechism, and they just focused on listing attributes of the Lord. And we have a um, bajillion over here. Like We're going to throw some up here. Like We can worship God because of all of these attributes. We can worship him because of his aseity. Asadi means that he is able to live by himself. He is dependent on no one. He doesn't need any one of us, but he chooses all of us. He chose to make everything because he's good and he's generous. We praise him because of his eternity, that he lasts forever. He lives beyond time about his goodness, that he always chooses good. He is the standard of what is worthy of acknowledging. We, you can praise him because of his graciousness, his holiness, his eminence, his eminence meaning that he's everywhere, that he's in everything because he made everything, right? It's not animism, it's not saying that other things are God, but every fiber was spoken into being by him. And so he is in every inch of all of this that we've ever known. He's in all of the material, he's in all of this creation. He's eminently with us no matter where we go. He is immutable meaning that he does not change, he never gets tired, he never wearies, he never breaks down. He's immutable. He's we can praise him because of his impassibility, not impossibility, impassibility, meaning, this one's a little controversial theologically, but it means that he does not suffer because he is holy, because he is big. He chose to suffer in Jesus, right? But impassibility is this, he's spirit. He cannot suffer, he's holy. We worship him because he's impeccable, because he is unable to sin. Not only does he not, he just doesn't choose to not sin, he cannot sin because of how worthy he is. We can worship him because of his incorporeality, meaning that we cannot put any image to him. He is so beyond all of this. One of the Ten Commandments is that we won't make idols, right? And that's because no idol, no image can grasp how big he is, how good he is, how holy he is. There is no image that, that encapsulates our Lord because he is above all of this. Right? We can worship him because of all of this. He's incomprehensible to us, meaning that he's always beyond us because he's beyond everything that we can understand. We can worship him because of his infinity, which I don't even have good English words to describe about that, but feel smarter people than me do. Uh, but it's like encapsulated in Solomon's words when he built the temple. When he finished building the temple in 1 Kings 8, he says, Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less can this house that I have built? Right? He is so much bigger than all of this. You can worship him because of his love, 
because of his mission. He is always on mission, redeeming the world back to him. We can worship him because of his mystery. Ugh, like There's so much that we cannot understand. He is always this element of mystery in knowing him. He's always a little elusive, and that's exciting and not scary. We can worship him because of his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his omniscience. We can worship him because of his oneness with us. We can worship him because he's perfect in providence, in righteousness. I like this one, simplicity. Wayne Grudem says that he is not composed in parts. He is undivided. He is holy who he is, holy, W-H-O-L-Y, holy who he is. And all of these things, his sovereignty, his transcendence, his trinity, the fact that he exists in his trinity, always feeding the other members of the church of, of the Trinity, and the Father points to Jesus, and Jesus points to the Father, and they do everything through the Holy Spirit. It's this beautiful circle of self-dependence, of honoring one another. Gorgeous. And also his veracity, meaning that he is unable to tell a lie. He always tells the truth in every circumstance. Like there is so much in, in location prayers where we just can worship him. And as his people, let's learn, put some of these ideas, some of these attributes in our prayers because he is worthy of being worshipped in every sense because of all of his attributes. Location prayers are when you see them, and so name them. When uh, your most honest prayer is to give him worship for who he is and who he looks like because you're in a good season. Our second location today is that God teaches us how to pray difficult prayers in dislocation. Dislocation, the outlook here, is not just um, in a difficult season. It, that's included. But it's when, like, Lord, I am languishing. Lord, I am dying. Lord, evil is winning. Lord, I don't see how you are winning. The kingdom of darkness is overcoming you. The mission that you're doing is failing. It's not but that's our most honest position. When your most honest prayer is like, Lord, I am in this place of dislocation. I cannot see how any of this is good. I cannot see how your attributes are at work here. God teaches his people to give him difficult words. Uh, a couple years ago, someone that is very dear to me was going through a hard season. And the only thing that I remember that I did in that season was I was like on my knees begging for this person. Like, that's the only thing I remember from that season. Excuse me. It's just begging. I don't see how any of this is good. I don't see why you are letting this happen. I don't understand. And that was my only honest prayer. I didn't have any Sunday school prayers for him. I didn't have any idea of his goodness and his glory. I didn't have any reference for that in that season because all I had for him was hard words. And God is so big and he's so loving and he knows us so well that he gives us in his holy scripture hard words to give to him. He is so able to care for us that he sits us down like loved children, and he gives us hard words that no father would want to hear, but because he is good and holy and big enough, he teaches his children how to give him honest prayers, even in hard seasons. 
Jesus on the cross referenced Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. When he says on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. Our Lord saying this on the cross, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Right. The words of our Savior echoed on the cross. He knew his Father and gave him honest words in every season teaching us that we can give him difficult words when they are the most honest words that we have. Right, let me read to us Psalm 6, the whole psalm. It says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my mourning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all, of all my foes. Depart from me, all your works, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayers. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. I want to teach us as a people that we can give God hard words when they're the most honest words because he gives them to us himself. He teaches us how to be honest with him. That he is big enough, he's powerful enough, he is beautiful enough to hear hard words from little dirt creatures because he is able to do something about it. I want us to know as a people that we can give him hard words because when we do, we empty that place in our soul and he can do something with that place that remains. I heard this uh, Jewish rabbi talk once about how in difficult seasons we feel buried. We feel like we're buried under the ground. But he said that in those seasons you're not buried, you're being planted. That in difficult seasons, if you are with the Lord, if you are honest with the Lord, it's not that you are being buried, it's that something new is starting. So give God your honest words because he is big enough and strong enough, compassionate enough, charitable enough and with perfect pity so that he can help us, so that he can move in our souls and plant something new and beautiful. God teaches us to give him hard words, and if we trust him to be able to deal with them like he is, he does amazing things. So many of us never give him hard words because we expect him to be like any one of us or any one of our parents right, sad and angry or explode or not a safe place for difficult words. But your heavenly father is not like anyone you have ever met because he is perfect and knows what to do when all your heart has is difficult words. And also just as a note, there are dislocation psalms that never end on a happy note. Your prayers don't have to be happy all the time. They don't even have, if your most honest prayer includes nothing about, oh, but I know you are good. 
or oh God, like let me say all these bad things, but I know you can do something about it. If all you have are difficult words, give them to him. He teaches us how to turn to the Psalms and learn how to give him hard work. And then the last location that we have for today is a new location. A new location prayer is this prayer that is prayed after God gives you victory in your life. After you have been through a season of being dislocated, God shows up at the perfect time like he always does, and he gives us new location prayers. Prayers where we're just like, God, you are so good. You are so able. And not like location, this comes from an experience of seeing him move of him being your rescuer, of him being able to show you that he is strong, that he is more powerful than the enemy, that he is more powerful than the kingdom of darkness, that nothing that he sets out to do ever fails. It's just never on our time most of the time. And these new location prayers, praise him for how strong he is. Psalms, like Psalm 4, verse 6 and 8, they say this. It says, there are many who say, who will show us some good. Lift up, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when with their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Only you, Lord, are the one who does anything to rescue your people, to make sure your plan goes according to your plan. Psalm 124 is beautiful. Read Psalm 124 this week. It says this. It says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when the people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away, the torrents would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers, the snare of the broken, the snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. New location prayers are these, like, God, everything rose up against me. Every one of my enemies and my foes had other plans, but you kept me. You saved me. You were able to get me out of that. Think of David when he was being, when Saul rose up against him. These prayers of, God, you are my victory. God, you saw the way. God, you walked me through the maze of all of my enemies, of all of my doubts, of every snare that was put in front of me, everything that was up against me, Lord, you overcame. Not me, you. And I can see that. I can see how good you are. I can see how great you are. And the lesson here in these new location prayers is that you are not the one who won your victory. God is. God is the one who won these things for you. God is the one who is worthy of praise, not you. God is the one who made everything the enemy had fall away. It was him, not you, not this church, not me, not anyone else. It was God himself who used everything that he can use to make a way. 
And so praise him in it. And so we have these three prayers that Psalm, the Psalms give us, right? God's holy word, his word, his inspiration and revelation and illumination for the whole of world, for all of time to know what he's like. He gave us these words. These words came from his Holy Spirit, inspired people to write them down so that his people in every generation will know that we can be honest with him. And the worship team can come up because I'm pretty much done. But the last thing that I want to say about praying these prayers to the Lord is that the posture of these prayers is that we have a good, good Father in heaven who sits us down, his children, and gives us the words to give back to him. That he is the one who gives us permission to be honest with him. A holy God who is immense and bigger than everything that you will ever know invites you, a little creature, to be honest with him, to praise him, to try and be in the same room as him, to practice presence with him because he loves you, because he wants a relationship with you, because Jesus wasn't okay with sitting in heaven without us, but he had a banquet for all of us, for all the world to be at. He came to make a way so that we could be honest with him, so that we could approach him and we can give him the words that he's given us. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, Jesus is talking about asking the Father for things. And he tells this parable about us as parents, and he says that if we, parents, humans, give good gifts to our kids, how much more will the Lord do? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, he says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And so let me make sure that all of us here know, that everyone at City Life knows that you have been given permission by God to give him honest words. Like God himself gives you permission to be honest with him. You might not have had that permission with your parents, or you might have not just been able to or had that relationship with anyone in your life, but you do with the Lord. You do with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and our Heavenly Father. You have that permission. And to some of us, that might sound like the most foreign thing in the world, but you have been given permission to approach him and give him whatever word is most honest. If it's positive, great, lean into it. If it's not so positive, give it to him because he can do something with that. He teaches his people how to address him. And so, to respond.